0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Lead Hership Global, a podcast for unstoppable women. And this week we have an extra special episode for you with Allison Graham. She is a speaker, an author, a coach, and the CEO of Elevate Biz with Allison Graham. Today we're going to talk about how you can take back your weekends and do all you do without guilt, stress, and burnout. And I think we can all really relate to that. You know, per professionals today are undoubtedly feeling the pressure of an always on work culture and that causes stress and sometimes it can even lead to burnout. In fact, in a recent study by Deloitte, 77% of respondents say that they have actually experienced employee burnout at their current job. And you know, you always hear that, well, if you're a passionate employee, if you're passionate about what you do, you won't suffer burnout. But we know that that's just not true. Passion does not prevent workplace stress. In fact, in that Deloitte study, they found that 87% of professionals surveyed say that they have a passion for their current job, but 64% say that they are frequently stressed out, and that really does dispel the myth that passionate employees are immune to stress or burnout. And importantly, nearly 70% of professionals feel that their employers are not doing enough to prevent Or alleviate burnout within their organizations. In fact, get this: 21% of respondents say that their company doesn't offer any programs or any initiatives to present, prevent or alleviate burnout. So today's discussion is honestly more critical than ever. Let me just say: if you're not happy with your stress level and happiness and joy feel like distant memories, then something about how you're approaching your workload has got to change. Period. If you are a high achiever who wants to do all you do, but without the guilt, the stress, and the risk of burnout then this podcast is absolutely for you. Today, Allison will share frameworks and perspectives for you and your team to better manage your unending to-do list and solve obstacles faster. And along the way, Allison is also going to sprinkle a little hope and a little inspiration to balance the tough reality checks and the straight talk.
1: Before we jump in, let me tell you a little bit more about Allison Graham. Allison works with accomplished professionals and business owners so they can do all they do without guilt, destructive behaviors, and burnout. Using her problem-solving framework, she tackles tough topics such as productivity, imposter syndrome, increasing revenue, and capturing your brilliance with her online courses and books. She has over 14 years of experience as a professional speaker, executive coach, media contributor, and online course creator, and five-time author, including the books From Business Cards to Business Relationships, Personal Branding, and Profitable Networking Made Easy, and Married My Mom, Birthed a Dog, How to Be Resilient When Life Sucks, Hysterical. And Allison's latest book and online course is Take Back Your Weekends, which is what we're
2: going to be talking about today. Allison, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you for having me as part of the Lead Hership program as one of your coaches. What you are achieving across the globe is incredible. And I'm just so honored to be a part of it. And so thank you for including me. And I had to laugh because Linda, I saw her face. Like she just started laughing when you said, married my mom, birthed the dog. I promise I didn't literally. It is a joke. <laughs> But By the end of our podcast, it will absolutely make sense. So uh, anyhow, I'm so excited to see where our conversation goes and uh, sprinkle a little hope and inspiration, as you said, and uh, give some tools and some thinking, because I think this is an exceptionally important topic, as you've already highlighted.
1: We think so, too. And I can tell you right now, just given what we've all been through over the last 16 months, I think we all need a little bit of more inspiration and more hope. So we're thrilled for the conversation today. Let's jump right in. Why don't you just sort of take us back? Like what inspired you to really focus on um, high achievers and taking back their weekends? And what was really the inspiration behind what your work is right
2: now? So there are two stories that come to mind. The first, I was actually working with an executive team. So six senior level executives around a room for a day. And at about 2:30 in the afternoon, one of the gentlemen started to cry in front of his executive team. And he said, "I'm so scared. I'm going to miss my kids' childhood." He said, "I work every weekend like Saturdays Sunday, and it's still not enough. And there's just so much going on during the week and I can't I can't get out from under it. And it was actually the very first time and it just rolled off my tongue. I said, it's time to take back your weekends. And it's not that just making that decision says, oh, okay, great, I'm just gonna turn off and I'm gonna recharge and spend time with my family and balances, like it was a process to figure out how to make that happen. But that was what inspired the Take Back Your Weekends concept. In terms of me digging into the concept of resilience and problem solving, it was very much my own personal experience. I had had a surgery and it should have been routine. I'd had it before actually, and you know, a couple days, I'd be fine. And unfortunately, what happened was they damaged my two main pelvic nerves. And I woke up from that surgery and it was just like (laughs) this knife going into my pelvis. And I remember sitting in the hospital two years after that surgery that went wrong. I'd had five surgeries up until that point, trying to fix the ramifications from the first. I had had six people in my life who I love desperately who died very suddenly. And I had a whole bunch of injuries. Like it was just, and I know all of our listeners can probably feel that like in their life they can look back and they can say there's a time where I felt like I was getting beat up like it was like the punches were just not stopping and of course we all still have to continue to run our business and show up for our professional lives with a smile on our face and I remember I was doing a fairly good job of trying to keep that smile on my face but behind the scenes I was just done you want to talk about? Burn, I was like, it was obvious I was burned out, and I remember talking to my doctor. He's a neurologist, and when I say talking, what I really mean is more like a, an ugly cry with like a high pitched squeal on top of it. And I was desperate. I'm like, I can't take it for one more minute. I can't do it. I can't do it. You gotta, you gotta help me. And he said, Allison. It's time for you to reevaluate your expectations for your life. You are never going to work full-time again. You are never going to be medication-free. And we've got to start talking about you going on disability. And in that moment, through the desperation, the one thing I knew was that giving up on my dreams for my future was not the answer. And so I said, (gasps) like, no, (laughs) like, you know, I like, and I wish I could say, like, I just jumped up and went, okay, I'll be all right. And he said, well, he said, then you're going to need to learn how to be resilient. And he said it in such a way that it just gave me enough hope. Because I was like, oh, what's that? And it's not that I hadn't heard it before. It's that I'd never put any formulation to it. I thought of the Olympic athlete. I thought of you know that you billionaire next door, right? For me, I was just trying to get out of the bed any morning, out of bed every morning, and keep my reputation and my media work and everything else alive. And so I left there and I put on my consultant's hat and I said, "How do I figure out resilience?" And that is where this concept came from. All these concepts that I'm going to share is because I had to step back and go, okay, this is not working. What am I going to do about it? And so here we are.
0: I love that, Allison, And what a powerful personal story. Thank you for sharing. I feel like, you know, most people can really... Um, be able to connect with this idea of burnout and that sense of desperation. But first, let's define what we mean by burnout. I know that there is a psychologist, Herbert Freudenberger, who describes burnout as a severe stress condition that leads to severe physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion. It's a lot worse than just ordinary fatigue. Burnout really makes it challenging for people to cope with the stress and to handle day-to-day responsibilities, which it sounds like that's where you were. So what are some of the warning signs of burnout before you get to that place where you just can't lift your head? What can you recognize is happening so that you can avoid that place of burnout?
2: Well, it's interesting that definition because that is the pure definition of burnout. And I think a lot of times when I'm talking about burnout, I'm talking about, forgive this phrase, but like the the working zombies, right? Which is a lot of us, where we're just on the cusp of burnout. And, you know, the World Health Organization has actually come out with a, a, a definition of this. And they call it a syndrome conceptualized by re, chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And so as you look for some of the telltale signs, they actually characterize it with three different challenges. And so I'm just going to look to be sure I get them exactly right. Three dimensions. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism. And reduced professional efficacy. So now here's why I read that is because I think as professionals, and especially when you've got a business or you're working in a a big company, stress is just kind of the accepted thing. Like, eh, yeah, yeah, we're stressed. Of course we're stressed. I'm going to take, you know, uh, I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight. And I'm just like, even somebody sent me a note last night and he said, my world is just figuring out how can I put out a couple fires a day? and make it to the end of the day, and still have my kids functioning, (laughs) right? And it, it was wife and him, that's the kind of the joke. And I'm like, no, that's not what life is supposed to be like. There is a better, less stressful way. And so when you think about some of that, it might be showing up as, if you're at a risk of burnout, or even just on the cusp, showing up is like, just dialing it in. Right? Like, I'm not really gonna give the oomph that I would typically give to the work I love so much. Or it might show up in things like procrastination or it might show up as I just, like there's exhaustion, like the definition you were sharing, but then there's like this low grade, I just can't rally right? Like that. And that's where I get concerned because when we're living in that space, that fogginess, it's like there's so much noise in the head and there's so much coming at us, then innovation is going to suffer. Our productivity and our ability to focus is going to plummet. Our objectivity as related to when a challenge comes in and how we're going to be able to deal with it is actually going to be skewed. Because if we're caught up in all of this noise the truth is we can't clearly separate and just go okay objectively how do i best deal with the situation that i'm facing right now and i think one of the things i hear a lot from people especially during this pandemic time is i can't wait for things to go back to normal and there are two things i want to caution on that number one let's remember your normal Because before the pandemic, there is a very good chance that you were already on the cusp of burnout, like I just described. There was a chance that you weren't fully happy and present for your children, or that you were feeling limited in your career opportunities. The second reason I want to caution on, I want to go back, is because the very notion of challenge and change is that what was no longer exists. And so every time we try to go back, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice from embracing the moment and figuring out how do I be innovative, creative, objective, happy, contented today, right now, in this moment, regardless of everything else that is coming at us and the circumstances that we can't control. So that's my thinking around burnout and why it's so incredibly critical to catch it before it happens. Because getting back from a true burnout, like when you're just like on the couch, you're on stress leave, which globally is at an all-time high in the corporate space, that, we want to catch you before that happens. That's where my work comes in.
1: That's so true. And and all the research says that burnout is on an all-time high. And there's so much being done right now, I think, in terms of studying organizations and where the sort of intersection between personal stress and workplace stress you know, sort of intercede. But one of the books that we've kind of studied in preparation for this discussion, Allison talks about, and it's called the truth about burnout, how organizations cause personal stress and what to do about it. And this author explains that there are six major imbalances that cause employees to develop burnout. So you've talked to us about the signs. This author talks to us about sort of the conditions that cause it. Um, And, you know, they explain it's things like lack of values, lack of control, unfairness, fairness, um, workload, and, you know, many more things. And so in your work in this space, you know, what do you see that really causes burnout and what can people do about it when they feel that coming on?
2: Yeah. So I think that there's one of the key p- principles, and there are many, so I know uh, I'm familiar with that work and it, it all comes together. And it, it's really interesting because we, we tend to look for... Uh, One little piece of the puzzle, but it's not. It's many different factors that can actually contribute to burnout. But the one that I'd love to touch on is the emotional attachment to the tasks that need to happen in your life. And so let me share how that may show up. I had a brand new coaching client in January, and she is a professional and executive working with a very large company. And we were on this call and she just broke down and she said, Allison, she said, there's so much work. And when I'm working, I feel so guilty because I'm not spending time with my family. And when I'm with my family, I feel so guilty because I know the work is piling up. And it was interesting because she went on to have this conversation and shared, she said, I'm like, you know, so your other colleagues, like, you know, how are things going? And she's like, oh, I would never admit it to them. Like I would never admit to my colleagues for fear that I would be judged. And I said, listen, I've been talking to professionals at your level and everybody's feeling this. So first of all, that emotional attachment and judgment and guilt that you're somehow flawed because you feel emotionally Un, I don't even know what that word would be, but you feel guilty about the fact that you can't keep up with your workload and you're not able to separate. But the other piece is, oh, she said she said the phrase, she said, I just can't get caught up. And I said, yes, exactly. Because here's the thing, a to-do list is not a to-do list because if we call it a list, we're actually insinuating that one day it's going to end. <laughs> it is never gonna end. It is exactly. It is a to-do circle. I actually call it a task circle in the take back your weekends uh online program and the book because we need to like the sooner we can understand that it's just gonna keep going round and round and round and round. And if you didn't get to the bottom of it, because the bottom doesn't exist, somehow like once you understand and embrace and accept that, oh my gosh, is there a freedom? Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, we know this. And yet we're, you know, spending time, like in her case, with her kids. And the whole time in the back of her mind is, oh, my gosh, I, I've i got that to do and that person to call and that person to call and that person to call and I just can't keep up. And, you know, as we dug in and we've been working through, obviously, we're uncovering some other pieces of the puzzle that contribute, Right. Are we, you know, we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, before the end of the podcast. What I think is really important is to first recognize that emotional connection to the tasks and the obstacles we face. So the second piece of that, because she ended up, we had our coaching call, then she did my online program called Take Back Your Weekends, and then we did additional coaching. And she said, the first week she texted me, she said, Allison, she said, I see the emotion start whenever there's an obstacle. So if something is going wrong with one of my clients, I get really emotionally charged by that. And I'm scared. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I'm like, go into react mode. And the thing is that most things that go wrong in business, most of the obstacles that we deal with on our day-to-day basis are expected. Now, when we could travel, oh, those days, right? Travel freely. I used to love going in an airport. And the example I would use from stage was, as I was speaking to audiences, was very much like, since the dawn of time of airplane travel, have there been weather delays, mechanical issues, and lost luggage? Yes, So, when it happens, why do I sit back and people watch in an airport and see people go, it's the first time this has ever happened in the world? (laughs) Right. And like they're so emotionally charged by this thing that we can almost expect it might happen to happen. And that's where contingency planning and being okay with it and being able to, you know, get out of that stress vortex that we talk about you can have the objectivity of that right and go okay no i just got to deal with this so i i think you know to your point that what is it that's causing it i think it's many many things but that emotional connection to the tasks and the obstacles that we face is a great starting ground for someone
0: yeah, Alison, that's so smart because as I am listening to, I'm reflecting, and my trigger is not wanting to let anyone down. And as soon as I start feeling like uh, there's a chance, that I might disappoint someone, I might let someone down, I can feel that stress level rise, right? And I bet everyone has experienced some sort of level of stress or guilt or burnout in their career. And when you start experiencing the warning signs of burnout, we all hear advice like, well, evaluate your options, seek support, try a relaxing activity, get some exercise, get some sleep. But You know, those seem like Band-Aids to me. (laughs) They Um, are. (laughs) What would you recommend to handle true job burnout? Or even if you're at the cusp of feeling that way, like you're starting to see the warning signs, the things that you've talked about, what would you recommend to someone um, for them to deal with that?
2: What I love about what you've said is so many things. But one of the things is that you've given a lot of tools. So get a good night's sleep, exercise, um, breathe deeply, meditate. When I'm getting calls from executives, they're not like, they know that, right? We know we have to breathe deeply. <laughs> we know we need a good night's sleep. But Allison, you got to help me figure out how to do that because I believe there's a step before. And some would say it is all about the physical, Right that piece of the puzzle. So, you know, if we're physically healthy, we're going to be able to manage stress better. Sure. But if you're in yoga class and you're spending the yoga class worrying about the thing that you forgot to do, not as effective as you think it might be. So then we're, that's the mental discipline that goes, cause it's, this is a puzzle that has to fit together. And it's so important to have the self-awareness. And that's the second piece of my problem solving framework. How am I responding to what's happening and how am I potentially making it harder to deal with and causing my own destructive stress? That is putting me at risk for burnout. And so we have to look at the self-awareness in three different areas, that physical piece. What is the emotion? What's the sensation that I'm having that might be a trigger or an indicator? Then we want to look at the mental discipline. Okay. And, you know, people say mental toughness and I got to tell you, my old way was to power through. I was a power througher, and like powering through and mental toughness, I believe is a gateway to burnout. Instead, what I believe in is a mental discipline, managing our language. Even when my phone went off earlier, I mean, that I forgot to turn off the iPad with everything else that's technologically around, but I think I said, Oh, that's awful. And you know what? Like, is that really awful? Like we've got to catch our phraseology. And that mental discipline is such a huge piece because if I use exaggeratory language, so I used to be somebody who had the worst self-talk and like I would walk by a mirror and I'd be like, Oh my God, you're so ugly and fat. What's wrong with you? I would sit on the couch. So all those years when I had two to five hours of functionality a day, because my body was in so much pain and I was grieving so desperately and didn't have the tools, I would sit on the couch and go, Oh my God, you're such an idiot. You're so lazy. Like saying this stuff to myself over and over and, so that becomes piece of it, right? That self-awareness, what's the mental game? Inside your head, the conversations you're having and what you're allowing into your sphere, what you're watching, what you're reading, you know, what you're listening to. And then it's the emotional piece of the puzzle. And if we really wanna process burnout, if we wanna have time to look at, you know, how do we sleep more deeply? We have to look at all three of those pieces because if, you're, if you have a barrier to performance of, let's say, worry, a lot of people can, rep- can you know, relate to worrying. Let's think about how that actually in- influences your life. And, and okay, so you've got a habit of worry and your problem is you're not sleeping. Because as soon as your head hits your pillow, your brain goes into overdrive. You start making up all these random stories, putting a down payment on a future problem you may never have. And then we're doing it. So you can tell somebody to have a good night's sleep all you want. But if we don't get to the root of the problem, which is the worrying, the barrier to performance that steals your capacity, the the sleep isn't going to happen. And so understanding what those pieces of the puzzle are that are causing the extra stress, the destructive stress, that that's the piece. So there's the situational awareness, and we can talk about that depending on where our questions go, going deeper into the different types of challenges, that self-awareness piece. What's happening? How am I reacting? And potentially, how am I making it harder? The last thing I want to say around self-aware, and then we go into solution activation. By the way, Sorry, I should finish that thought. But the last thing I want to say about self-awareness is this: as I'm not even going to say as women, but I think women are more prone to this. We, when we dive into self-awareness, there's a risk of diving into self-judgment. Just like I used to before I got that internal messenger of BS under control. (laughs) And self-judgment is just another layer that adds to our destructive stress. And so as we approach self-awareness, I'm going to encourage people to adopt a perspective of curiosity. Getting curious about, oh, isn't that interesting how I did that? wonder why I did it like that. wonder, oh, that's interesting. How could I do that? Like, and not, like, so for me on the couch, healing in the pain situation. So one way is judgment. Gosh, you're so lazy. What's wrong with you? Why don't you get up? You got to go work. You got to earn a bit of living, da-da-da-da-da. Clients are depending on you. Versus, hmm, and this is interesting that I'm here again. I wonder what I did that may have triggered my pain to be so high that I'm not able to move right now. I wonder how long I'm going to need today before I'm ready to rally. I wonder if there's anything that while I'm lying here, I could do potentially writing a post or an article or something that I can do while I'm lying down. Or is there a really good show that will make me feel better? Or do I need quiet and a candle and just to sit? So it's a very different energy when you come from curiosity versus self judgment. I think that's a really important piece. And so with a lot of my coaching clients, I'm often reminding them of, okay, let's look at this from a curiosity perspective and say, cause I hear a lot of judgment there. <laughs> Those words are not going to help us find the right solution. So that, that it becomes a lot of the conversations I'm having.
1: That's awesome. I think, you know, Allison, today has been so amazing. I feel like we've all gotten the masterclass and burnout and how it is that we can be more self-aware. So I think this is going to be so valuable to our listeners, and I'm sure so many of them are going to want to jump into your weekend courses and really understand how to take back their weekends. But the last question today is really um, geared towards leadership because we are here to help all of our listeners really sort of grow their leadership prowess and really take control of their own leadership journey. So tell us and share with our listeners, what is the best leadership advice you've ever received that you'd like to share with them today?
2: Oh, what a great question. I think it's really about that vulnerability and not judging yourself that you don't have the answers. You know, in this time with COVID, so many leaders who were used to leading, right? And they did a pretty good job and one or two people on their team might be going through a really difficult time. And then everybody kind of rallies around and we have these coping mechanisms as a society to help people get through tough times. And when COVID happened, we're all in the same position. And I found a lot of leaders judge themselves secretly. They were behind the scenes going, I haven't got a clue how to help them because I'm struggling. And so I think being aware of that and just knowing that this is the human experience. There is no judgment required when you're going through something because it'll just make it harder to go through. So for me, it's very much about being accepting of the human experience as part of your leadership journey.
1: I love that. I think that is so impactful. It's beautiful. Thank you for everything and every piece of advice you've shared with our listeners today, the insight, um, just the education. And I think there's so much more there. So we're thrilled to have you be part of the Leadership Global family. And thank you so much for your time today.
2: Well, thank you for having me. And I'm just so happy to be a part of this organization like, it, and it's, we're just beginning our journey together and I can't wait to meet all of the members and be a part of the community even more. So uh, thank you very much for the opportunity and for everything that you're doing. Thank
0: you, Allison. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week.